All right, we are back with the death lineup. Our 2023-2024 uh, Warriors preview here. But, Bri, you actually went to the practice the other day, the live open practice that they had. How was that? It was cool. It was something I've always wanted to go to. I think last year I wanted to go to two. I don't know what happened, but tickets were only $5. So I remember initially I was like, okay, only five bucks. I'll just go get an inventory on who wants to go and I'll make a bulk purchase. And by the time I got everyone who wanted to go or didn't, I actually don't even know if I asked anyone. I was just, I just went and revisited the page. Oh, guess what? Because f tickets are $5. They sold out instantly. <laughs> so I, I was kind of, I was kind of down on, I, I was, I was a little sad for a couple of days there, but day of, I was like, oh, I'll just check tick pick um, and see what prices are looking like. Cause people were trying to resell them the, when they bought them initially for like 50 bucks. And I was like, that is just messed up to just buy a five. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to sell them. Like they, they should figure out a way to stop that. Like that's not yeah. what, what, yeah. they're, what they're for. But I went on the tick pick site and I was like, why does it like, I thought tickets were, I thought all tickets were five bucks. So when I saw a $25 ticket for courtside seats, I was like, um, I think I'm going to do that and, and just kind of hope that, you know, it's not a scam. So mm -hmm. I just bought like three tickets for 25 bucks each court side and they were court side it was like it was like the california classic seats on the other side of the court oh wow so yeah it was we had we had really good seats and um i made i made like a video like a really quick video um just like kind of encapsulating what went on but it really was just like think of like your high school stretches before a game or before a practice where you know you know you and the entire team are are running to half court or, or full court and back doing like a specific stretch, whether it be lunges, you know, like, like, so at the professional level that happens as well, the mm -hmm. same stuff we do in like the middle school level. So um, they did that. And then they did some like one drill, but you could tell, you know, they're going like 50, 50% 50 speed because mm -hmm. uh, the crowd's there. And then they brought some, some, some kids on to, to join them in the drills. And then I believe after that, we went to the rookie hazing stuff and it was done. <laughs> it was like an hour and 15 minutes, an hour, maybe and and that was it and i i would say it was, it was especially if you can get those type of seats i would go again i don't know if i'd just go just to go for the five dollar ticket if i had like the double decker spot but um i liked being i always when, if i could ever get a ticket courtside and it's like a reasonable price i'll always do it no matter what the event is i love chase center courtside were, were the fans a little disappointed that it was only like an hour and 15 minutes I this is a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anyone knew what to expect. Like it was just an event that I was, you know, I, I was kind of ready. I, I told the people I was with, I was like, it's only 20, 25 bucks. So I don't care if we leave after like 45 minutes. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted to be there for a little bit, get a few, a little bit of video. So I don't know if people were upset. I, I hope people didn't travel from like Gilroy, California to see this damn thing though. You know, that, that, I think it was, it was worth it for me being in the city. I didn't really care when it started or ended. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about the preseason, and we'll do uh, a little bit of a preview. I have some questions as far as what uh, we think is going to happen, who's going to play more, who's going to actually be better, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, I will say we got to see Victor Wembanyama, who was actually Victor Wembanyana for a good quarter. Fitz and and uh, uh, and Kalena were having some struggles with that name, and then they even. They even, Fitz even kind of made fun of the fact that they were mispronouncing it at some point. <laughs> but I, I I don't know. Like, against the Warriors, because the Warriors are uh, one of the smaller teams in the league, he just looked like a giant. Like He looked like it was like the Warriors were playing against uh, who's that Fantastic Four guy who can stretch his arms out and, and stuff. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And I was I was very impressed with him. I will say, he is going to lose them some games just for the mere fact that it seems like he's got the green light and he's going to take a lot of shots that are maybe not the best shot to take yeah. in certain situations. Uh, he destroyed Andrew Wiggins on a couple possessions, but I don't know if you caught this because I was I think, watching. I think we're about to say the same thing. Andrew Wiggins was able to put his forearm in, in Wemby's chest and move him. And there was a, there was a, a scenario where Wiggins did it once almost to say like, Okay, like you got me a couple times, but here's really what happens when we get in the middle and you you're gonna try and block my shot. And he kind of gave him a little bit of the forearm and Wimby just flew out of bounds. In some cases, he'll he may get a call, but because he's so big, 
I wonder if the refs are going to give him that call. He also does this one move where he goes, uh, he he comes from the baseline and he's almost coming from out of bounds, but because his arms are so long, he kind of scoops underneath the rim and he's able to drop it. I think people are going to catch on to that and they're going to be able to block that shot uh, at some point if they position it well, if they if they wait for it. But man, what what a fantastic exhibition experience that was watching that man that young man play basketball that was so cool yeah I think I think for me I actually wasn't going to say the strength thing I was going to say more so that I think this kid understands the position he's in of being this generational talent he knows the eyes are on him and I think he wants to make these spectacular plays and I think because of that he helps he really helps off of he say he's guarding the corner or guarding the um the wing. He really helps off because he's block hungry. He wants to get that highlight play, mm-hmm. that block. I bet you if you look at all the blocks that he helped off help side, how wide open the guy he was guarding is. Especially when he blocked Clay at the top of the perimeter, Wiggins was right next to him wide mm-hmm. open. I mm-hmm. feel like that is something that, you know, he's gonna learn, but for now you could take advantage of if, you know, just say like, hey, if you see Wemby coming. This guy's a wide open. Like he's going to get most... coached. He'll get coached though as well, which is why that'll be that'll be probably an easier fix. But also, it's habitual. Like you know, you do you just want to you're able to block something. So why wouldn't you go for it? So, um, I, it's going to be an adjustment. But I I think that I think that everyone also wants to like sun him or like do like a welcome to the league moment. And I just feel like he they're going to try like... they're going to try and dunk on him for sure. Oh, yeah. I, but people I, definitely picturing... have... I'm picturing someone like Zion who has the bulk and the hops to try and yeah. move him and dunk through him. I could oh, definitely yeah. see that attempt uh, of that happening. Yeah. And I, I lastly, I think that with Wemby, like just his wingspan alone and his length and his ability to close out like and have those instincts, like it's, it's something that none of these guys are used to. And so, like, I think it happened to both Wiggins and Clay, where when they took the three-pointer, they were like, okay, this is usually a shot that, you know, from a de- when a defender's that far away, like, this is a wide-open shot for me. And Wimby just cancels that. He's like, his wingspan alone just lets him block that stuff. So I think that's definitely going to be, like, a crazy adjustment for a lot of NBA players to make. And, again, I don't think it's going to be anything to, wor- to worry about uh, this season, but maybe, you know, when Spurs get better a couple seasons down, that it's team, scary. Uh, that team is long. They, you know, I they're probably going to be inefficient offensively unless uh, Vassell uh, has a really good season because he's kind of. I think he's probably going to be the one A or the one one B with Wimanyama. Mm-hmm. But defensively, they are good. I think they could give some teams problems. Like the like Steph was. I was like, who's out here guarding Steph? Miles Bridges? What's going on? Like, mm-hmm. Steph wasn't playing, you know, 110, but still, I was just like, wow. Like, they got length. They are able to, or, you know, they have athleticism. The Warriors were trying to run certain stuff, and Chris Paul's just throwing the ball away and they're getting mm-hmm. steals. Like, wow, the, this team, they have some athletes in, uh, yeah, they're going to have some problems scoring the ball, I think. But, Imagine if they had like a, like their point guard is like a, like somewhere, somewhere down the line, like when they get their point, I think right now they have Tyus Jones, his little brother, Trey Jones as their point guard, but he didn't even start his point guard in this game. I don't know if he was hurt or something. I think it was Jeremy Sohan. The, yeah. The, Sohan was the, the, the power forward was playing point guard, but imagine if they had like a Kate Cunningham or like a Josh Giddy to, to, to finalize that, like we're just a bigger team. And, and also Kate having the ability to kind of just do everything on the floor. Um, I feel like that would be like a pretty, a, a pretty crazy addition. I don't know how many other guys have that mold or that build, but that would be fun to to add to their team as a point guard. All right, we're gonna we're not gonna talk about the preseason all that much because we want to do a quick uh, a quick ish show here uh, on this Sunday evening. Um, I have two players circled that I want to get your thoughts on when it comes to the preseason, and one of them is obviously I think all eyes on him when it came to this preseason. Jonathan Kaminga, though I feel like Jonathan Kaminga uh, had. Good preseason last year as well, but this year he was they they let him basically be the the do everything. He played a lot of minutes. He he scored a lot of points. I think he was second in all of the preseason to uh, who was it Bain? I think Desmond Bain was the leader in in, in uh, points per game in the preseason. But Kuminga was second. Does this transition to finally Kuminga having a real rotation spot, a consistent, a consistent rotation spot, and someone who is going to be valuable to the 
success of the team? Is this the year? Yes, I think he is going to be solidified as the eighth man in the rotation, probably ahead of Gary Payton behind Chris Paul and Saric. Um, I think, you know, this is like a guy where this is, I'm like two weeks removed of trying to trade him and Saric for Rob Williams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, just some context for that. Like, you know, this is a guy where this is before the preseason and we're the last tape we have of him is in that King series, you know, and then he's mad. He's not getting playing time. He's getting DMP'd for you name it. Like I'm, I forgot. I'm trying to Jermichael green. Like this is like, this is a guy who, who, who most recently just didn't play. And so I was more so not low on Jonathan Kaminga. I was low on the idea that the Warriors would even give him the creativity and the green light to do what he did in this preseason. I don't really take much of the preseason of what he did, like the way he scored, like the way he created for himself. Like, I think he's going to get a little bit of that in the regular season, but he's not going to, what did he shoot like a game, like 16 shots, maybe like that. That's a guess. Like he's not going to shoot that in the regular season, but I do think, what he showed offensively to me, I think I mentioned it after the first preseason game was just, I feel like he's always been someone who's trying to dunk on everyone. And I thought that some of the stuff he was doing at the rim where there was more finesse to it. I think that will translate. Um, and I definitely think that's something he's probably been working on. And the three ball looks legit. Like we'll see when teams start closing out on him, but that's a good thing if teams are closing out on him. Cause right now they're giving it to him wide open. Is he going to make the pass the, though? That's the next step, right? So yeah, we will. We'll, we'll see with that, um, hopefully. But I, I think I buy, I buy, there's specific things I buy from the preseason. I don't buy the leading points per game thing. I don't buy the shot attempts. I kind of buy the creativity. There's going to be, I think there's going to be opportunities for him in the second unit with Chris Paul and with probably Clay, where he could create just a tad, but it's not going to be to the effect of what we see. Ball hand, I think ball handling is still going to be an issue. He's, he's way too free with that basketball especially when he's driving they're just because what you just said they're not going to want to get dunked on they know that once he gets going and in the air it's a bucket and so i think they're going to try and stop him at the ball handling level at the slapping Mm -hmm. the ball out of his hands uh level and i think he's yeah he's too free with that basketball sometimes i think I, i don't know you know he had 13 turnovers in three games uh, he was about 14, a little bit over 14 shots a game. I don't know how many of those turnovers were because of what I just said, where it just seemed like they were able to to punch the ball out a little bit. Um, but you know, he 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 looked re- he looked really good, and I think the ask of him is be a finisher, get us a bucket, get us a two. You're going to have opportunities to go one on one against people. When we get the right matchup, you you can go. And then, you know, as the, you know, Steph is doubled, Clay is doubled. Oh, Kaminga's open in the corner. He's got to take that shot and he's got to be able to, to keep hitting it at a high level. He shot it eight of 17 in the preseason. Also, Moses Moody shot it very well in the preseason, eight of 16 from three. He single-handedly tried to bring them back in that San Antonio game on Friday. Uh, but Moses looked good. It's just, I, I think, we're sort of waiting for Moses to turn into an explosive athlete, and that's just not who he is. So they're going to have to figure out how he fits in not being the explosive athlete as of like an Iguodala-type uh, person. But Iguodala is a freaky athlete. Like, there's not a lot of guys who, who are like him. But Moses is just going to be a little bit more stationary, and he's going to have to be smart. But he was efficient. I like the way he played. Sometimes... You know, you can see him get locked up in a move and and that's where maybe the lack of athleticism comes where he just you can kind of lock him like he's like going right and they stop him going right. And he just like kind of gets stuck. So uh, but again, he's not going to be asked to do a lot of that. He's going to be asked to hit the open shot. He's going to be asked to take advantage of the defense and be efficient. So I, I did like seeing both of those guys. I thought both of them played really well. But you know who out-rebounded both of them? B-Pods. B-Pods <laughs> was the second leadingest rebounder in the preseason for the Warriors. That's so impressive. That that like That's something that translates. That's something he was advertised as, right? So, And that's why I made the DiVincenzo comparison when we drafted him. But it really is just they're both white guys with ginger hair. <laughs> and so he, he led the team in uh, rebounds. Well, second to Looney. Second to, the, to Looney in rebounds. And led the team in assists in in the preseason, but you can tell he's a little reluctant with that shot. 
Uh, he mm. likes the floater. He likes to get in the middle and create there. But the outside shot, he was very, very Which much passing it up. He's supposed to be knocked down. He's supposed to be knocked down. So he, that's, was, he that's, was passing it up for sure. That's he, a, yeah, you can tell. You know who else was? I thought passing it up a lot. Hmm. I don't know if the stats back this if you have this up, but Chris Paul, I felt like did not really shoot the ball like at all. Like four four of ten for the whole preseason. <laughs> he shot ten shots for the whole pre. Like that, I feel like that. I don't know if that's just a preseason thing for him, but you know, like a, a big part of Chris Paul is that mid range game. Mm-hmm. Like that is a big. You know, that's what keeps the defense on their toes. It's what will help us when we get into these three happy modes and when he can come and slow it down if Wiggs isn't there yet. I feel like that's another player we should talk about where Wiggs, is he going to be able to get back to that 2021-2020 form? But in the meantime, like I'm Chris surprised. Paul... I, I, just, I just figured Wiggs, like they just didn't catch him on camera, but he's just constantly yawning during these games. It's like, oh, he's kind of <laughs> tired. <laughs> waiting for the regular season to start but yeah he was just he was he's kind of sleepwalking out there for sure he is he is so I, I you know maybe maybe they don't take as much stock into these games as, as some of the you know it is kind of for the younger players to shine and to see what some lineups look like but um yeah i mean it, it, going back to kaminga though it's like the warriors plus minus guys were i feel like they were talking like the way they were talking about him i was like oh shit like i i thought you know slater's always been pretty high on him and like mm-hmm. had that like all-star aspirations for him so i i've kind of like you know i think i've been in a similar mindset with slater there but hearing mt and tk being like you know i don't want to completely quote them because i'm kind of i'm not i don't have the exact quote but it, they both kind of sounded like like can he be the third best player in this team this mm-hmm. season i was like what like where this is where we are with this guy so i was a little taken aback by that um and and of course, like if if he if he starts turning into that stuff, yeah, this this completely changes the trajectory for not only this year but you know years to come. Well, he can be the third best player, but in order for him to be the third best player, a couple of guys have to fall out, and one of those guys who did not have a good few games in the preseason was Clay. Like he <laughs> he shot the three good, but he, he did not look like he had much energy or much bounce and. You know, I, I was just hoping yeah. Yeah, I was hoping because, of, you know, because it's been His a couple years now that I thought he would have a little bit more. And uh, but, I, you know, uh, he's he was hunting, definitely hunting. It's almost like he hunts to get hot. And I don't know if they'll be able to afford him to do that this year. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But the last person I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Trace Jackson. Davis. <laughs> Tim Kalkami said he's already better than James Wiseman. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <you're> nice. <laughs> that was amazing. That was an amazing comparison to me. I think he should have just said for the Warriors, but I guess he does. He genuinely mean like maybe one on one. Maybe that's what he means is for the Warriors. But I, I mean, that, that's what I thought. Like I saw that. And I was like, I completely agree with that. But and you know I mean, who he reminds me of it. He reminds me of a he's not as explosive of a jumper, but he like he reminds me of a mature, responsible version of uh, Jordan Bell. Hmm. Interesting. Because Jordan Bell, he could get stuff and he could make stuff happen for the team when they needed it, uh, you know, because of his athleticism. But there was a little bit of a dog in him that first year. And yeah. then and then, you know, he kind of he, he maybe didn't work as hard that that second year or whatever. And, and he I don't even know if he's is he is he on no. their G League team? No, I don't know where he is. Yeah, I don't know where he is. So Trace Jackson davis can do some of that stuff and they were using him a little bit of a rim runner they were penetrating and and dishing off to him they were throwing alley-oops to him and he was just in the right spot almost every time now when he tried to put the ball on the floor yeah it was it was uh cookies uh, a couple mm-hmm. different times when he tried to go iso or post it, you could just tell like it, it wasn't his deal but as somebody to get some offensive rebounds, somebody to uh, run, run the fast break to get, to get some easy buckets. That way he looked really good in that situation. But do you, do you think he even, I mean, does, does, does he really get to play that much is, is my question. I think he will have uh, opportunities. Um, trying to think of like, 
it might be situational based sometimes with uh with what they need with with so i think sarge is actually going to be like a great fit with the warriors sarge was awesome in those sarge was awesome he was really good but I'm wondering, is there going to be like, if Trey start keeps showing some more stuff on defense, like I thought he was really good against Sabonis, then maybe there are like matchup opportunities um, where it's like, okay, we think Trace would be better than Saric in this matchup. But I think that will that won't happen that often. I think Saric is going to be, uh, yeah. So that's a good question. Sabonis is still so annoying, man. <laughs> God, leave that guy alone. B.A. Sabonis. That's who he's going to be all year for me. Uh, and and plus, the Kings team is good. So that's why I, if, if if the Kings team was, was bad and we just beat them by 30, I wouldn't care about Sabonis at all. So this is a, the most difficult thing about the Western Conference is that like the Kings were what the two or the three seed this mm-hmm. past season. And it's like they didn't get worse. Like, I don't know what I don't. I'm, I'm so confused with this Western Conference this year. Yeah. I tweeted that I think like 12 or 15 teams, you could tell me that they got the two seed and I'd believe you. You know, like the Pelicans were the one seed at some point last year and then Zion went down. The Utah Jazz were the one seed at some point last year. You know, like it was such such, it's such a weird Western Conference we're in right now. Oh yeah, totally. I don't know how to, yeah, I just don't know how to uh, rank it out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to some of the thoughts, some of the predictions, some of the season preview-y stuff that I did put together. Uh, let's go... If I put the over under for wins for the oh, Warriors God. now, what what did they what did they win last year? Yeah, 40, that's that's what I need to see. What are they like forty three wins maybe? Twenty. I think they were at like forty three and thirty nine or something like that, or were they forty four and thirty eight? It was it was something around there as far as wins. This is bad pod man. What do you have? This slow internet. I'm just typing with one hand. I can't even find it. <laughs> uh, 2022 NBA. I, I got it. 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 They were 44 and 38, and they were okay. the sixth seed with that record. Okay. So I think we hope that their regular season goes a little better because just that the fact that the, they can't be as bad of a road team as they were last year. Mm-hmm. So if I put the over under at 47.5, so they would have to get to 48 wins in order to hit that over. Would you take the over or under? I'd take the under. Interesting. Like this is a Western Conference where the Denver Nuggets were the one seed at 53 wins. The Memphis Grizzlies were the two seed at 51 wins. Sacramento with 48 wins at the three seed. And this Warriors team is going to get 47. That would put them at the four. Like, I mean, this is just using last year's stuff. But I, I just think we're about to see a similar Western Conference like we did last year where everything is kind of, you know, what is it? From Phoenix Suns were the four seed all the way down to like, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the 10 seed was all within a couple games. Like, I feel like we're about to see something like that again. Um, I agree with you that it's probably under, but if they're 43 and or 44 and 38 like last year, I think that's a disappointment. I think it is, too. Um, I probably I mean, I'd probably. I'd probably guess around the 40. I'd probably guess around the 47, 46 range. Is that what the over under is at? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just created that. I I don't know. I don't know what the actual, you know, I did listen to Simmons and house and uh, Rosillo. I don't remember what that number was for that. I I want to say it was like 40. I thought it was like 44 or something. Interesting. Yeah. I would take the over of 44. Uh, All right. I I think there is an opportunity where they come out swinging and there's like, like if if all things stay good, like they are a top three seed, I think there is a world. I mean, even top two, I, I do think that there is a world where that can happen. Um, all right, but I this, think just based off what we saw last year, it's kind of hard to make that 
prediction and be confident about saying that after literally what we just saw less than a calendar year ago. Okay, so you just kind of mentioned it, which was my next question. Where in the West seeding do you see them? I say if they're right around the four and they actually have home court advantage in the first round, I think I'd be fine with that. Me too. But if they are below that, I think, you know, our hopes and dreams of what the season could or should be like would be not great for for the team yeah i think if they're anything less than the five the four seed that's a disappointment as well not only the 44 wins thing i think if they're a less i because th- i think what hurt them last year was the king series going to seven games make them made them really tired for game one versus the lakers which was a must win because the lakers won in six so they had that extra opportunity to not play and, and rest and i think the warriors going to seven with the kings was because they fooled around in the regular season, you know, all the stuff that happened last season and not having home court advantage. I think that is why that went to seven. So I think they, they should, you know, if there is something about uh, last season, it's like, you know, the regular season is important, even though we were the sec- the sixth seed and got to the second round, like, you know, we would have liked to have that home court advantage, got it done earlier and then had a better chance against the Lakers last season. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think that is like internally, I'm sure that's, something that's very important is, is at least being the four seed. All right. Here's an interesting one. And I, I put this together without even knowing what last year's numbers were. And they're very close. Who has more minutes played per game between Chris Paul and clay Thompson clay. I would say clay as well, but it is actually closer than I realized when you look at the numbers from last year. Clay played starting last year. Right. And we don't know that he's not starting this year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chris Paul played 32 minutes a game. Clay played 33 minutes a game. Now you say it's about starting. It is probably about starting, but there are going to be some games where Clay's like six for 18. And Steve might just roll with CP, right? Like you have that option now where, you know, you have sort of the vet at the end of the game and you, you know, you talked about that mid range too. Like that's, that might be that mid range too might be a better shot late in the game than clay hunting, you know, clay pump faking, pump faking, fade away from the corner. Like you almost would rather have that CP. You, you almost believe more that Chris could get to his spot right now than clay could get to his spot. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Okay, what about more games played? Same same two guys. Clay. Okay. I last... think we want I think we want Chris to play less games and less minutes. I think we want that. We do, but that would be that would mean things are going correctly. Things are going the way that the Warriors want them to go. Ooh, okay. Cool. Okay. So last year, Chris only played 59. Clay played 69 and now Clay was not playing most back-to-backs last year. I imagine he will probably play more back-to-backs this year if he's feeling healthy. And you know, now with this <laughs> this load management rule, whatever this load management rule even is, uh, you know, that affects CP more than it affects Clay cuz Clay hasn't been an all-star uh, in, in the time frame in which they are and CP has been an all-star. So all right. What about uh I'm gonna give you a points per game for one Wardell Stefan Curry. Now, I will tell you, in the last few years, when it comes to points per game, last year Steph was at 29.4. The year they won the title, 25.5. Hmm. The year before. They missed the playoffs because they they lost the play-in. Like 33? 32 points a game. Now, the one thing that is a little bit different for him um, is actually, I mean, it it was different for the the season in which uh, the Warriors won the title is his three-point percentage was down. But he's, you know, he's going to be around 42, 43%. He hasn't been higher than that since uh 18 19 when he was at 43.7 and obviously that historical season 
uh, where he won the unanimous MVP. He was at 45.4 on 11 and a half, 11.2 tries a game. You know, this dude chucked 12.7 tries in uh 21, 20 or 2021 when they missed the playoffs from three. Yeah. 12.7. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, all right. So I, so you know, the numbers, uh, the K the, the, the three KD years, he was, uh, 27 point three 26.4 25.3 uh but the non kd years he's been hovering you know closer to that 30 mark uh i'm gonna put it at 28.5 do you go higher or lower for i'm gonna go points per game i'm gonna go higher because i was gonna put it at 29 i genuinely like have a hunch that this like steph has I don't know what the odds are for MVP, but I'd give him top three odds with him, Tatum, um, and maybe Luca. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd give Jokic his third, Embiid. Like, I don't know if he's ever, he's gonna go back to back. Giannis maybe, uh, but I, I think Steph Curry should have top three uh, MVP odds this season, and like, so I, th- I think I would go at, at the twenty nine. Um, but no, that, that that's something I definitely have a hunch. That that that's a hunch for me. I think I I my I think my MVP right now and, and penciled in in my head is Tatum. I think they're probably just going to be the one seed in the East with them or, or Milwaukee, and I'm sure he's just going to have another durable, really good season. Um, but no, I, I think Steph should be, especially if the Warriors are a top three seed. I definitely think it's possible, and I, I think he's going to average at least twenty nine. All right, three pointers per game for Steph. No, he goodness. has been. Uh, there have been three years in his career where he has been at five makes or higher. Those seasons were his uh, unanimous MVP season, uh, his 18-19 season, so the last Durant season, he was at 5.1, and his 2021 season where he was at 5.3. That's the highest number of makes in his career per game. Last year, 4.93s per game. F- over under five. What are you over. what are you thinking? So so you think he's gonna get closer to five point one, uh five point three ish. And that that's where, you know, if he if he gets, you know, over five, you you you're gonna be right about that twenty nine points a game, I think. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I have to run to run with it. Okay. More can I, can I pitch one to you? Yeah, go for it. Are we are we staying on Steph or were you staying on Steph what, for this next one? No, but you can stay on Steph if you want. Okay. No, I was not going to stay on Steph. I was going to say, do you think the six man of the year award will be in Golden State? I think so. If I can, if I I have this right here, let me pull this up. So you're talking um, JK. I'm talking JK. I'm talking CP. So the last um, six man of the year award was Malcolm Brogdon. And then he averaged 14.9 points per game. Um, the year before that, Tyler Hero at 20. Jordan Clarkson the year before that at 18.4. Montrez Harrell, 18.6 the year before that. And, and you know, some of these aren't really totally like, like Montrez. I guess he was kind of a scoring punch off the bench. But I personally don't think it needs to be like, you know, you, you need to be like this great score to, to to win it like that's what you're primarily providing i think cp with assists and and if they win and, and his plus minus stuff i think that should all go into it if, if mm-hmm. for him but I, I do feel like the the minimum for six men of the year is probably 14 points per game do you think that cp or jk can win this award and if you do who do you think would be more likely to get it if the warriors are going to have a really good season I feel like uh, CP has to be a little bit of the Andre in that he's got to be the adult. He's got to be the consistent guy to run that second team. And if he is that, then JK is not even the sixth man. JK is like the seventh or the eighth man. But, but, doesn't... Mm-hmm. but JK could have a fantastic season, a highly efficient season because CP is good is good for them or has a, has a great season. Like I'd rather see, uh, I'm sure for, uh, for JK's contract extension, he, he wants to win that award. But I, I think in order for the Warriors to do what we hope the Warriors do, that that has to be something where CP is actually higher ranked. Yeah, than, uh, I agree. JK. 
I agree. I I, I think there is a, a an opportunity there. I think Emmanuel quickly has the best odds right now in New York. But I I don't know. I think. You know, history tells us that these voters do favor the points per game stuff. Like, it's yeah. a shame that Iguodala has never won this award. And I feel like that's just bad for the people who have votes that Iguodala never won this award. But, hey, right your wrongs now. If, if CP, you know, he might not average 20 points per game. But if he averages 14 and 8 or something, like, you know, I don't know, about 8 assists. But, you know, if the Warriors are winning and, and CP is a clear reason in that second unit as to why we're maintaining leads and, and you know, playing well like that that needs to be considered i'm sorry yeah here's the here's the value for chris which is when steph leaves the court the warriors can't be a minus seven yeah if the warriors are a minus two or an even then that's a win and cp is like one of the more valuable players in the league at that point i agree be able to swing that so that that that's the stat that i think uh, hardcore diehard Warriors fans should look at is that the you know the the non Steph minutes the Steph's on off splits yeah yeah all right here's one I think this answer is this answer is actually kind of easy but I'm still interested in your thoughts which is who has more games played by the end of the season now obviously injury could happen and that that this so this may not be a fair one but Corey Joseph or B Pods. Can you repeat that one more time? Who's going to play more games this season? Who's going to have less DNPs, I guess? Corey Joseph. I think so, too. But I wonder, as we get through the season, obviously because B-Pod is going to be playing some G League games, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many he can play, but he's going to be playing some of that. So they won't need him on some of those trips. But I do wonder, you know, if we get to the second half of the season, Corey Joseph is like just a model of consistency. Like if you just look at his his uh, his numbers. So last year, you know, he's seven points, uh, three and a half assists the year before, eight points, three point six assists the year before that, twelve and five and a half the year before that, six point six and two and a half. So. You kind of know what you're going to get, and I think that was probably the the draw for them to to get him. Um, you know, shoot at a 37, 38 percent level from three. So you know what you're going to get, and you just hope that you know keeps turnovers down, and that they, uh, you know, he does. He's not a he's not a big turnover guy. One turnover per game, pretty much for his career. But there's just so much more possibility. I feel if B pods is actually a pretty good player, like he, he could make Corey Joseph, you know, less important. But then again, you know, the Warriors signed Corey Joseph to be another adult in the mm-hmm. room. So yeah, they will probably be better off if Corey Joseph has a, a pretty decent season. Did you listen to the latest? Uh, I think he did like the all it Slater did an all 82 with, uh, with Nate the, Duncan. Deep, the, the deep voice, Nate Duncan. Did you like it? I thought it was good. It was, it was Did you fine. listen to it? Yeah, yeah I thought it was good. I, I just I liked what they said about B pods and, um, you know, like kind of like the he he he's already like he doesn't he doesn't play like a rookie, and I I I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I think he's really composed and, um, you know, I I have I think I feel like I hope he gets the opportunity. I know he will get the opportunity at some point, which is kind of how these guys how how this team rests guys or how if someone gets injured, you know, B pods will have the opportunity and. You know, I, I think if I think if he does have a, you know, I I think you're right that if Corey Joseph has the better season, that's better for the Warriors. But I mean, I feel like it, it it's pretty close for me. For um, the fans and for the culture, if B Pods is running point at the end there, it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, B Pods at the point is fun. For those who are checking us out on YouTube, want to say thank you, appreciate it. If you can, I'm, I'm gonna pull a Larry Kruger here. My buddy Mike Gilbert told me that this is what Larry does, and you know, Larry's very successful at this YouTube stuff. So. If you can do a give us a little thumbs up on the video, I think that sort of helps with algorithms and stuff. So just uh, that's just a small request from us. But okay, mm. I have a couple more for you. Mm. Uh, Kavon Looney, games played over under 81 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's like, I, I, I feel like under is the easiest one. There. Let's go over, man. He's, he's all 82 yeah. for two years in all a row. All 82. Now. And that, the, you know, Slater should call that podcast 
the Kevon Looney, Looney podcast. Yes. Yeah, just call it Looney. Get that that's that's what it is. He's all 82. All right. Best case, worst case scenario. So this exercise is if everything goes right, what does it what does it look like for the Warriors? And if everything doesn't go right, what could it look like for the Warriors uh, on a negative side? So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll do the I'll do the best case here. So best case for the Warriors is uh they I think that with this current unit. They get off to a really good start. They show they can win on the road. Chris Paul is is clutch. And they are in the hunt for, you know, the first two or three spots in the West. And then come trade deadline, a uh someone who is just taller than six ten who can actually block some shots shakes free. And they can bring that player in. And I'm not even worried about Jokic as much because Jokic is going to just do everybody poorly. I'm more looking at this Lakers matchup where the Lakers kind of exposed the Warriors in the playoffs about where you can go with that team. And if the offense isn't clicking and you have to play this possession style basketball, the Lakers are just going to be better at it. And the Lakers are improved this year, I think, roster wise. I think so, too. And... They find a big who can free up Draymond a little bit against someone like AD. Obviously, there's other there's other players in the West who you you may have to find a uh, someone other than Draymond to always have to guard these guys because you know Draymond is already not healthy coming into this. You know, it is only an ankle injury, so it's not like the back thing. So you know that happens in basketball, but the idea is like you know you need to keep Draymond healthy for this team to be good, and then you know they match up. And they can beat the Lakers and the Nuggets and then possibly be in the mix at the end there. And, you know, your Phoenix is I, I just I look at Phoenix and I go, man, they're just going to wear down at the end of the season because of their lack of uh, depth, uh, uh, ro- rotational depth. And so that is best case to me. You give yourself a fighting chance against these bigger teams by bringing in a center and you go toe to toe and you go, hey, Jokic, you've never beat us in in any meaningful game. Let's go. And then if you can, if you, if you can do that, you may be able to hang out uh, in the NBA finals again. So that is what I see as best case, like best case to me, isn't the Warriors go 69 and, and, and 13 and blow through everybody that, that type of team doesn't exist anymore, but there are things that could happen to where I think that they could be one of the top three teams in the West. I think that there is a potential that they do come out firing like they did in the championship season and get off to like that kind of start. I think that is a possibility. Um, I don't know how much the Phoenix game will tell. Like, obviously, if they blow Phoenix out, like we're going to be saying that probably like I assume that's going to be a lot of headlines, you know, overreactions. But uh, even if they lose the Phoenix, I feel like that's still potentially in play. Um, I feel like that big thing, just getting another guy who's above the, the height of six ten, is mainly just for the Lakers and and like maybe like the Bucks on the other side. Because well, you we, say- we we've mentioned Robert Williams on this podcast before. Like if he's healthy, he would be a perfect addition because you wouldn't really need to ask much out of him. He'd pl- he wouldn't even play more than twenty minutes a game. I don't think he's a prime trade candidate for the deadline as well. I believe so. Um, but I, I feel like that's mainly just for the Lakers and like maybe the Bucks because we have beaten the Nuggets without a guy above the height of 6'10". We've beaten the Celtics with one without one. Um, I think we could beat Phoenix without one because if they're just if they're going to keep starting Nurkic, we're just going to go, you know, we're going to play. Uh, we're going to we're going to. Uh, but and then some I, see, I team, secretly the- think KD is going to be very frustrated with Nurkic this season. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell they're doing with that pickup. I, mean, I don't know if it was more of like, hey, we just need to get rid of Aiton because it's just it's kind of like the Wiseman situation where it's God, like I, 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 the pool I, know, I know I know Aiton maybe doesn't have like that killer instinct, but he still, still yeah. as a defensive player, uh, someone who could actually play in the end of games when other teams go small, I would still bet on him more than I'd bet on Nurkic. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, like I, I think. If yeah, if things go well, I think we're a top three seed, and like not not even go. I think if they go over a top four seed, I think if, I think there's 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 a realistic chance that we do have a top three, even a top two seed. Um, 
I don't know if that's a trade day deadline candidate though. Like when's the last time that I feel like this team has ever had a significant trade deadline uh, acquisition acquisition that translated into the playoffs? Like when GP, I mean, GP too, but that doesn't count. I don't think that counts. Like I'm talking about like completely different, hasn't played in the system. That's like the benefit of the Warriors stuff is kind of having the continuity and same guys that come around every year that know the system. It's a big part of being on the Warriors. So I, yeah, I'm they were more like buy-in guys, and yeah, uh, I feel like it is a center though. Free agent I feel like, signings like Boogie and David West and those guys. Yeah, I feel like the center position specifically for the Warriors is probably the least demanding, the least commanding um, position. Even though you know we love the guys who could pass and guys who could play defense, but yeah, maybe so. Maybe um, who's going to block yeah. any sort of shots this year for them? I can't see anybody really. GP mm-hmm. GP might lead the team in blocks. He might sneaking from behind and swatting guys out. Yeah, he might. I think you're right about that. Okay. So worst case scenario for me is CP doesn't work. Injuries Um, is the worst case scenario. Well, there could be some injury problems. Uh, B pods and some of these younger players, Moody Kaminga, they may have to play a little bit more than the Warriors want them to. And Steph isn't the same Steph. And if one or more than one of those things could possibly happen. And then you're talking about fighting for the playoffs and get we don't back have our pick the, either. Get back to the play in scenario situation. So there's a lot of things that I think have to go right for the Warriors uh to compete at that high level. And I know that they built this roster to get back to competing at that high level. But man, there there is some scary injury concern. There is some chemistry concern. There is some young player uh, poutiness concern, not doing what they, you know, what they need them to do concern. And, you know, that, that, that could kind of cause them to, to drop and, you know, get closer to that 500 mark, which would put them in jeopardy. So that is kind of what you want to avoid. And I, I, I feel like, you know, by by the first 10, 15 games, you, you, you'll probably be able to see if the chemistry stuff is there and, you know, how the, the rotation is fitting. Because I just remember last year we're, we're watching games and going like, man, do what is the rotation? They don't have a set rotation. You know, why is Moody playing in this game and then not playing in this game? So, you know, I think that's up to Kerr and the coaching staff that you really got to figure out that rotation. All right, last yeah. thing um, here. What is your finals pick? I know. Have you guys done it on the BAM yet? No, but I think we're gonna do it tomorrow. Do you have a, um, do you have a finals pick? Shit, I think I think I'd probably go Bucks Lakers. I was thinking Denver Boston. I don't think I really feel like. I think if Denver goes back to the finals and then wins the finals, like, I don't know. I feel like Jokic is like a top 10 player of all time. <laughs> like in only two rings. I just feel like it's really hard to, I feel like the war we, I think the warriors made it, made us think that it's easy to go back to back. And when in reality, the most realistic thing to happen to a team that wins a championship is what happened to the warriors last season. You're essentially just using the whole off season to, you know, champagne and campaign baby. And you're just, I don't know. You you reach the pinnacle of what you can reach in a team sport. Like there's just you maybe just don't t- take take the approach of the next season as seriously. And I feel like Denver kind of like I didn't see any. You know, this is me. This is none of my business. But I didn't see Jokic in the gym one time. Instagram. Come I on. I saw like a partying in Serbia anytime he was on a camera. So what, I don't what, know. Is, what is the Lakers frustration with the Nuggets? Was it just about trash talk? I see like. LeBron and AD are like so serious about they're going to see us again. And all this stuff. like, what are you guys talking about? I feel that? like they're just like trying to build, create something that's not there to keep them pushed. To keep it, so. Yeah. You know, like keep them motivated. Um, all right. Last thing. And, and we're going to get out of here, but we're going to come back Tuesday evening after game one. And we'll give a quick recap of the game. And that will be our show for next week. I may be doing more uh, mini podcasts, which is what I've been doing with, uh, 49ers we want winners podcast uh, if you know Brian and I will will do a show once a week at least and there may be some little mini episodes that I do that will be podcast only so make sure you also uh, are subscribed to the podcast feed BSPN Bay Area Podcast Network 
okay, last thing is I met, I keep mentioning this all-time Warriors team. I, I found my old doc. I'm updating that doc. I'm going through basketball reference, going through all the uh, the historical players for the San Francisco and Golden State Warriors. And I'm just going to read off the list that I put together, which was the year before they won the title in 1415. So here is that list. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Rick Barry, someone who you probably have never even heard of by the name of Tom Macheri was my power forward, but Draymond has uh, is, is the all-time best power forward in Warriors history. Uh, Nate Thurmond at center. Now, that would be the starting five. I'm not going to do a starting unit this time. I'm just going to do like the best 15 players uh, of all time for the Warriors. Uh, and also the bench, I had Jeff Mullins, who was on the title winning team in 1975-76, uh, or is it 74-75? I always forget. Uh, Latrell Sprewell from those early 90s uh, teams before he decided to choke uh, PJ Carlissimo. Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, so two of the three of run TMC. Robert Parrish, who... Uh, became more famous on the Boston Celtics because the Warriors traded him to the Boston Celtics. Jason Richardson, Jay Rich, uh, in the really bad years of of the Warriors, he was one of their best players. David Lee, who will not be on this next team, but at that point, David Lee, uh, just because of the numbers, was was in the all-time team. Sleepy Floyd, my favorite player when I was a little kid. Anton Jameson and Clyde Lee. So who got left out? Phil Smith, Monte Ellis, Joe Barry Carroll, Purvis Short, Clifford Ray, Larry Smith. Uh, since the title team, there, there's more players like Andre Iguodala. Uh, I, I mentioned Draymond. Um, uh, uh, Kevin Durant, of course. So there's going to be some folks who are on that list from 10 years ago who will not be on it this time. But I should have that updated by Tuesday morning, which is opening night in the NBA. So I will pass that around, get your thoughts, get everybody's thoughts on it. Uh, we'll throw it up on Twitter and such. So, all right, that is it. We'll be back Tuesday night. Uh, I will be back tomorrow night or Monday night with uh, Rod for We Want Winners. Brad and I will be up Tuesday night for Thompson to Clark. Brian and I will be up late Tuesday night. So it's going to be busy over the next few days. We're going to have lots of content in this feed so make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you use. And that is it from here. For Bri, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.